um, Paul clearly wasn't um, trying to be dumb for Jesus. And, and I think that I have, uh, you know, I've seen sometimes that attitude, which is that, um, you know, one of the, the kind of the line of thinking goes like this. The Bible says that, that, that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And so say, oh, look at that. That's what knowledge does. It makes your head big, makes you look down on other people. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, um, I think that we don't want to um, become prideful about having knowledge. But on the other hand, right, we're told to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So heart being the seat of the emotions, right? Strength being what we do with our hands. Soul being our, our innermost being, but our minds as well. God's given us minds and he wants us to use them. We can actually honor God by using our minds. Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie, who's the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And uh, you join us once again. We are in our new series that we've started in the books, uh, well, in the book of First Corinthians at the moment, uh, called Grace and Truth. And uh, this week we find ourselves in chapter two, looking at the 16 verses of First Corinthians chapter two. And the message was um, the title. Of the message was Human Weakness and the Power, and power of, God. of God. And uh, if you missed it, WhitefieldsChurch.com. You can get over there and you can download it. And uh, course, it's available on any of your uh, favorite streaming platforms, on YouTube and on Facebook. And uh, if you would, you know, please like and subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel, you know, hit the notification button, you know, and, uh, you know, interact with us. It really helps, you know, on Apple Podcasts, you know, if you want to leave us a rate and review, that really helps. And, uh, you know, we just, we want to hear from you. And, and by doing that, it helps to get this content you know, just kind of higher up on the algorithm and so that people asking these kind of questions, we can provide them with Christ-centered and uh, gospel-centered answers to their questions. And so this week we looked at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and you know, kind of the main theme of these first couple uh, chapters has been, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. And many times when you kind of walk away from these kind of conversations, it's like, well, are, you know, what is the, are we not supposed to celebrate knowledge or, you know, is it, is it a bad thing to be smart? Like, you know, and, and I think you, you, in your sermon, you talked about that, that idea of being dumb for Jesus, you know, where, what, what is the kind of, how should we approach, like when it talks about knowledge and the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man, you know, what, what are we, you know, what are the semantics here? What are we talking about? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, there's some important things that Paul says. Obviously, Paul, it was an educated person. He had what we would call in our day, like, a, you know, like a graduate degree, you know, in theology. He had studied under Gamaliel, who was a very well-known and respected rabbi at the time. He had uh, been in Jerusalem studying at the feet of Gamaliel, we're told, um, in his letters and in the book of Acts and stuff. And so... Uh, Paul was an educated person, and yet what he makes clear here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is that all the education in the world isn't going to help you with something that only the Holy Spirit can do, which is to reveal God's truth to you, spiritual truth. Um, it requires a, a work of the Holy Spirit. And so what we know about God, for example, hasn't been discovered by the smartest minds in the world. Rather, it's been revealed to us by God himself. And that's really important to remember. Uh, it's important to remember this, that Paul is saying, I did not want to rely on my own 
smarts or my own education in coming to you. And I didn't come to you even with a primarily uh, intellectual appeal. I came to you with the power of God, which might be foolishness to people, but this power is the gospel. It's the power of the work of the Holy Spirit through the work of Jesus Christ and the message of that preached and received with faith. Uh, when that happens, you know, God's power is, is there at transforming people's lives. And so he's saying, you know, to come at it from a purely intellectual perspective is to detract from the power that's already in it. Now, on the other hand, though, um, Paul clearly wasn't um, trying to be dumb for Jesus. And, and I think that I have, uh, you know, I've seen sometimes that attitude, which is that, um, you know, one of the, the kind of the line of thinking goes like this. The Bible says that, that, that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And so say, oh, look at that. That's what knowledge does. It makes your head big, makes you look down on other people. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, um, I think that we don't want to um, become prideful about having knowledge. But on the other hand, right, we're told to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So heart being a seat of the emotions, right? Strength being what we do with our hands, soul being our, our innermost being, but our minds as well. God's given us minds and he wants us to use them. We can actually honor God by using our minds. You know, we think about what Peter says. He says, be prepared to give an answer to those who ask about the hope that you have. Um, you know, you think about things that Paul says, where he says, you know, I want you to rightly divide the word of God. I want you to be a good workman who puts in the work of studying the scriptures and dividing them rightly. And so, um, you know, on the one hand, we think about how in Acts, they, they, um, people come and they say, you know, who are these apostles? These are unlearned men, right? So Jesus didn't go to the um, theological institutes, the Jewish theological institutes of the day to find his followers. Rather, he found them from the common people. And yet they didn't remain unlearned men, right? They became students, disciples, studying with Jesus, uh, getting to know his ways. And um, this is the balance we face. We don't want to lose our heart in the pursuit of knowledge about God. And yet we do want to know God. We want to know what his word says. Um, of course, you, you know, you know this, and, and maybe some of our viewers and listeners know this, is that um, in 2007, actually 2008, is when I started my journey of, you know, higher education, studying theology. And basically, here's, here's how that went. On the one hand, I'm so thankful for the movement of churches that we were part of, Calvary Chapel, and how, um, what Calvary Chapel did that I think was really amazing, is that if you wanted to serve the Lord, and you're a young person who's full of enthusiasm, they would help you to do that. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't try and uh, put a wet blanket on you and try and tell you that, you know, why don't you, you know, learn some stuff before you can hang out with the big kids. You know, it wasn't that at all. It was very much, you want to serve the Lord? Awesome. We're going to find an avenue for you to do that. And there were mentoring relationships. It was beautiful. I loved that about Calvary Chapel. And I found myself, though, pastoring a church. I had planted a church in 2005 and pastoring that church and then realizing that a lot of the things I was saying, the answers I was giving, they were not things that I actually learned myself. I was essentially reiterating what I had heard from other people. In other words, I could give the right answer, but the the background, the gravitas, the weight behind that, it wasn't my own. I hadn't put in the research and the learning on my own. Now, on one hand, that's okay 
to a degree. But on the other hand, I felt like in order for me to, for myself, I wanted to have the, the integrity uh, to be able to say, no, I have looked into this. It's not just taking somebody else's word. I've looked into this for myself. So um, we were planting a church in Eger, Hungary, and the people we were planting a church with who were kind of partnering with us in planting was the leaders of Wycliffe Bible Society, or Wycliffe Bible Translators, and their, their Hungarian office happened to be in Eger, where we were planting. And uh, the leaders from there said, hey, let's, let's partner together. Let's start a church. You know, they were doing their mission, and they, but they knew about us and Calvary Chapel in Hungary, and they wanted to, to work together with us. So we joined with them, and they, you know, I got to know their organization, really respect Wycliffe a lot. And um, they said, you know, we, if somebody's a missionary with us, we have them go through uh, and get a bachelor's degree in theology if they're going to go and, and be a missionary and translate the Bible somewhere. And they said, you know, we could help you get into our program. And so I said, oh, cool. So I started the program, not intending to actually get a degree, just wanted to take some classes. And then I took some classes and I was like, wow, I'm really learning a lot. So I took some more classes. One thing led to another, got my bachelor's degree, decided even before I finished that I wanted to get a master's degree, go further with this. Uh, at some point, I'm probably going to get my doctorate. Don't have it yet, but um, taking a, a break, you know, uh, for the sake of my family and the church to, because it's very demanding. But um, I love learning these things and I love understanding them. And part of the reason I love doing it is because I love to be able to give an answer because there's a lot of people out there today who have real legitimate questions and to be able to give them an answer that's not a pat answer. It's not shallow. It's not just like, you know, I looked up in a book, what do you say when somebody asks this question? And I just like repeating that. I'm actually able to dialogue with them and have the, the weight of understanding behind it. And here's what I would say is that um, if your heart is truly for the Lord, then bring your mind along with you. But, but I don't think it works the other way necessarily, right? I don't think it's that uh, if you just fill your head with knowledge and stuff um, that your heart will necessarily always follow. Maybe in some cases, right? Maybe, maybe as you study the Bible, your, your heart will be drawn in. I believe that. But I have seen people who, um, who have gotten theological education and it hasn't necessarily helped them. But I would say the people I know who, who it's helped the most um, and benefit the most are the people who truly love Jesus. And they come at it because they say, I want to know more about him. I want to know more about the word. And for me, I also felt like, hey, if I'm going to be a pastor, I want to, I want to know as much about this stuff as I can. Like I want to have all the tools so that I can be the best pastor I can be. So that's, that's where I'm coming from it. But, you know, I have seen this. Sometimes there can be this idea that kind of says like, rah, rah, we're going to be dumb for Jesus and we're going to be boring for Jesus. That's another one. I, uh, I knew this guy in he, he would, he would preach and he wasn't like a very dynamic speaker, which is okay. Like that's kind of what Paul's saying. Mm. I, I presented the gospel to you, right? I didn't come to entertain you, but this guy almost reveled in, in the fact that he was boring. And, <laughs> and I had to tell him at one point, like, I'm like, he's like, I don't get it. Like I'll, I'll preach for an hour and 20 minutes, which is a, yeah. a lot. Right. Um, and then people go watch a movie for like three hours. And I'm like, yeah, but in, in your, you know, in a movie, like there's car crashes, there's chases, <laughs> there's bombs going on, there's bombs, there's people like falling in love, you know, and in your sermon, right, you're just a standing talking person. And that's just what it is. And that's, like I said, we don't glory in being boring. Uh, we should help people see that the Bible's interesting. Um, 
so it, you're you've got the you've got to have find this balance between you know loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and also help as you as we talk about God. We don't want to make it seem boring because it's not boring, right? So we're doing a disservice to our people if we. And I always say that's on us if we make it seem boring. So, Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, it's an interesting paradox when you talk about the simplicity of the gospel because it just leads you down amazing rabbit holes into mm. the to who God is, you know, and it just, it just, you know, every time, every corner is like, oh, and this and this, and then the, and you just, it's, I, I think it, you know, it leads you to want to know more, Yeah. you know, when you truly grab the, the depth, you know, when you truly understand what the gospel really means, it just wants to, you just want to kind of get to know God even more and, and, you know, dive into it and, you know, and of course people in different walks of life have time, you know, and you as a pastor, you, as you said, you want to have every tool in your toolbox, but, you know, mom at home, a dad, or, you know, I know my dad used to listen to tapes as he used to drive from place to place, you know, for his job, and he'd listen to sermon tapes, and people do that, they listen to podcasts and listen to sermons, and just kind of dive into, and that's the encouragement here, just don't, don't stop at the simplicity of gospel, but let it, let it take you deeper and deeper as the Lord leads you, because there's, you know, the, the depths of who God is, is, you know, it'll never be tapped by our human, human minds. And that word disciple literally means student. I want to be a student of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I want to know him and I want to, I want to be a lifetime student of the way of Jesus and who he is, what he said, what his word says. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to do that so I can be equipped to be used by God as well. But, you know, we were talking about, uh, I had this, this quote that I was going to put in the sermon. I didn't. Um, but the quote was that the power of the gospel can be seen in the fact that it has survived thousands of years of bad preaching. Yeah. And I thought that's a great quote. <laughs> I've done some of that bad yeah. preaching myself. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I think that that's true. Right. And that's kind of part of the point of the section. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times it's happened to you, but when people have come up and said, you know, the Lord really spoke to me and when through this part and you realize like, did I actually say that in my sermon? I, I'm not I had sure. This guy. One time I was preaching Matthew chapter five. This is in Hungary. And there's been this guy who's come in. He, we've been praying for him because he was the brother of another member of our church. And uh, we were praying for this guy. And finally, he comes to church. I preach on Matthew chapter five. He comes up afterwards and says, man, that thing you said about like how, you know, we should look to Jesus and not to the waves uh, or, or else we'll sink. That really got me. And, and I decided today I'm giving my life to the Lord. Well, if you know that Matthew chapter five does not talk about Jesus walking on the water at all. Like that's a totally yeah. different story, different chapter. And I wasn't talking about that, but the Lord spoke to him and praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Too. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what Paul is talking about here at the very beginning. And uh, just in verse three, when, you know, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. What do you think Paul was talking about when he, when he used those words? I think that's so interesting. And I, I didn't have time to get into it on Sunday because that, yeah, I was with you in weakness, fear, much trembling. Wow, fear, right? Like as Christians, mm-hmm. we, we always point out, and rightly so, that the Bible says, do not fear a lot. Um, because God's strong, right? So we shouldn't fear. And yet Paul is honest. And he says, when I was with you, I was afraid. I was trembling and it was not good. And uh, what he's saying is basically, I didn't come. uh, And when I was with you, I wasn't uh, really confident. I was afraid and I was trembling. 
And I didn't speak well because of that. I didn't speak as maybe as well as somebody who came with a ton of self-confidence or whatever. And he says, and yet the gospel was powerful despite my weakness. And I think that's so important to see there. Um, but, you know, a lot of people speculate, what is that? Some people say perhaps Paul was uh, experiencing some kind of physical malady or sickness or something like that. And he was just, you know, he wasn't speaking well. I know, you know, pre-pandemic, I, I listen to some of our old recordings and I'll like have preached when I was sick. Now we would never even mm -hmm. consider doing that. And, and I understand why. But, you know, I, I remember times when, you know, just feeling really bad and getting up and speaking the word and and uh, just being encouraged by people and by these passages to say, hey, you know, people don't need you to you to wow them. What they need is is the gospel and they need clarity of what the Bible teaches to them. So I think that's a really good point. As other people speculate that maybe it was because Paul was being persecuted in Corinth, which we know from Acts 18 was the case that he was being chased around and persecuted. And he's saying... Honestly, guys, I was scared. I was afraid. I probably wasn't as bold as I could have been, but the gospel uh, was still powerful. And it reminds me so much of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where he's talking about how he had this thorn in the flesh. And whatever that thorn in the flesh was, he prayed earnestly three times that God would remove it. And God said, no. And I love what he says in this verse. Listen to this. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. But he, that's God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says this incredible thing. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest in me. I think that sometimes we think that when we look awesome, it makes God look awesome. But God actually says, no, no, no. It's when you're weak that actually my mm -hmm. power shines through you in the most profound ways. And so Paul says that I'm going to boast in my weaknesses, not just boast in my strengths, right? And so uh, I think just thinking through that is really helpful because it helps us remember our place. Like we're called to be messengers. It's not up to us to wow people, blow their minds. I know that for, for me, that was really helpful. Um, I, I've often shared this story when I do these preaching seminars that I mentioned on Sunday that I'm part of this group called Expositors Collective that does preaching seminars and preaching coaching and stuff like that, is that uh, I heard a message once um, from a well-known preacher. He was speaking to other preachers and he said this. He goes, you know, I used to think that every time I got up there, I had to hit a home run. I had to be amazing, right? Like I had to get up there and, and he goes, and you know what? That's just not the case. Because he goes, if you look at the people who hit home runs a lot in baseball, you, what you'll notice is they also tend to strike out the most. And so, because they're always swinging for the fence. So they either hit a home run or they strike out. And oftentimes they have way more strikeouts than they have home runs. He said, you know what? If you're going to keep this baseball analogy, the best approach is actually get up there and hit a base hit every single time. And he said, don't aim to be a great preacher. And I think this applies to everybody out there, whether you're preaching on Sunday or if you're just sharing the good news of the Lord with your coworkers, friends, family. Don't seek to be amazing. Just seek to be good. And by good, what we mean is, are you rightly dividing the word? Are, are you being faithful to the text? Are you presenting it clearly? And if you are, then it's like um, Elijah, remember he, he got this altar and God sent the fire. This is in uh, 1 Kings 18 when he's with the prophets of Baal. Our job is to prepare the altar. Only God can bring the fire on mm -hmm. the altar and make that message alive in the hearts and minds of the hearers. So we want to be faithful and we want to be clear. 
and we want to be bold. That's the goal. Yeah, no, that's a great way to end today. And uh, yeah, it's uh, the wisdom of God and, and, and not the wisdom of man. And instead, it's the weakness of man through which the power of the gospel can come. And, you know, we sang a song on Sunday morning called All the Poor and Powerless, All the Lost and Lonely. And that, that is us. And we can rejoice in the fact that God, you know, as, he's, as we read on, on, in Psalm 40, that he pulled us out of that miry clay and set our feet upon the rock and that's something that we can rejoice in and, and you can rejoice in and so uh, if you missed the sermon on uh, Sunday whitefieldschurch.com get over there and download it and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week God bless <laughs>